Hello everyone, this is George Mapp with the Carolina Tar Wheels. Today my guest is Paul Smith. Paul is an avid road biker, probably the strongest and fastest rider I know. A keen recreational rider who can hang with fast boys. He rides six to 7,000 miles a year. And before he moved to Chapel Hill, he did a 15-mile one-way to commute to work a couple times a week. Paul's a member of the Triangle Velo cycling team, whose motto is Pedaling for Health, and he frequently rides with members of the Duke Cycling Club in the notorious Tuesday night street fight in Durham. Paul writes product reviews for the website roadbikerider.com. In September, he attended the bike vendor convention Enterbike in Las Vegas, and from there he went to Richmond, Virginia to attend the UCI Road World Championships, where he met George Hencappy and Bob Roll. Let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up and how did you get started in cycling? Well, I actually grew up in a place where the cycling was tremendous, and I knew nothing about it. I didn't get started cycling until I moved to the States. Um, and the first time I ever bought a road bike was when I had a bonus check from work and looked on Craigslist, and I found my first ever bike on Craigslist, an aluminum one, which I still have, actually, a specialized alley. And I thought that was about as fast a bike as anybody would ever need. I've since graduated onto more exotic bikes, but it was uh, kind of wonderful to get started and feel that freedom on the road. Beforehand, I was riding mountain bikes and uh, did a good amount of that, but I never rode bikes at all back in the UK, and I feel like I missed an opportunity there. So you did do some mountain biking here in Durham when uh, before you started. Sure did, yeah, the road biking. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the I couldn't see the point of road cycling at all for the longest time. Three years of uh, mountain bike snobbery, and then something about being on the road took over for me. And I haven't really ridden a mountain bike since probably two thousand and four, uh, any kind of distance at least. Okay, so that was about the time, I guess, where you and I both started uh, commuting uh, to work. So uh, uh, you had about, yeah, that 15-mile commute. You needed a, a road bike for that commute. Right, right, too far to, to be on the hybrid. In fact, you, but you were very influential on me, George, back then. <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe that you would go through every single day and ride to work. And so I was, you were inspirational to me in that, in that aspect. And so I started following your example. And I don't do it as much as you do. You're up there two or three times a week was my maximum. And you're going every day. But uh, you're uh, like the Pony Express, right? Rain or <laughs> sleet or snow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I might get some rain today, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, well, tell me, how, how did you get started? Uh, uh, how did you get mixed up with the Fast Boys there? At some point, uh, right. you started riding right. at a di- quite a different level from the rest of us. And, uh, well, not the rest of us. There, I mean, there's plenty of faster people than, than I out there. But uh, So I got the road bike, and I found that I enjoyed going quick, what felt like quick to me. And then I heard about a ride out in Orange County. And I went along to that on a Thursday night ride. And it's been going, this ride's been going about 16 years, 17 years at this point in time. It's organized by, uh, and if this is for the Tar Wheels, people know the name John Boger. So John has been um, leading this ride for ever since that time. It started out as a ride for a volleyball team, I believe. And John is about the only surviving member from the volleyball team still riding regularly that I know of, at least. 
so I went along to that ride, and I thought I was quite quick on a bike, and I was quickly disabused of that notion. Uh, the first three or four weeks when I attended that ride, I was coming in in complete oxygen debt, somewhere towards the back of the ride, barely clinging on. And the only reason I didn't get dropped is because I was scared of being out in Orange County, lost and alone with only the coyotes for company. <laughs> so I made it around. I got around, uh, and gradually I started getting faster and faster, learning about uh, road riding, the etiquette of being on a road, what it means to ride in a pace line, being yelled at a good amount, <laughs> <laughs> which is the general way that I think you you learn how to ride uh, a pace line well at least in how I was taught, (laughs) Uh, learning what it meant to be a road bike rider and still learning. I mean, it's a fascinating subject. It's incredibly broad. So there were uh, members of the Duke Cycling Club that rode, that were included in this ride? Not at that time, no. Uh So the Duke Cycling team came later on. As I got faster on the bike, I started looking for other opportunities to ride further and with more people. And uh, the Duke team... Uh, have a mailing list and I got onto the mailing list and I started riding doing their ride series with them so they have this winter training ride series and they go quite long uh, the longest I think I ever did with them was about 117 miles on a blustery January day it was supposed to be 100 miles but we got a couple of wrong turns and it was one of those epic rides out there where there was myself and one other older guy and then there's all these young bucks and somehow we seem to do our fair share on the front as well, leading them around as well as being led around. And we visited all areas of North Carolina on that ride, um, through Stem and Wake Forest and all kinds of places that I'd never been before, uh, even in a car, let alone on a bicycle. Okay, so it wasn't just going west. I know a lot of people go west on these sure rides, do. but you went all over. Uh, well, the Duke riders t- typically tend to, you know, being based out of Durham, they ride out some different areas than, than the... Uh, usual uh, uh, Wilson Park from Carborough, the usual rides that they do out there. So, yeah, different roads. Okay. And uh, at some point uh, you participated in the Blood, Sweat and Gears event? uh... Five times, yeah. I'm kind of done with that now, I have to say. But the first time, the idea of riding 102 miles in the mountains, 9,000 feet of climbing, that was something I never dreamt I could have done. Now, so I guess leading up to that is a bit more of a backstory, right? Which is, and you and I have done this before together, riding 100 miles down on the MS bike ride. Right. Right. And right. so the first idea of riding 100 miles, to me, was immense. And so I went and tackled that. And turned out that was really hard back then. Now it's probably quite easy to me to go do 100 miles down at Newburn. Um yeah, the last time you did that, as I recall, you rode with the lead group of uh, 2,000 cyclists, and uh, you guys never stopped uh, the whole time? That that happened one year, right, yeah. <laughs> so we, there was, I guess the group was 30 or 40 people, 50 people maybe, you know how big the pace lines get down there, because it's flat and it's easy to draft. Right. And uh, I gradually, there were just less and less people as the rest stops rolled by, and we just kept on going and, and ignoring them. And we went round four hours, 20 minutes, I think, on that ride. And there's seven of us finished without stopping once, which I didn't intend to do at the start of the ride. I had no intention of doing that. But once you get to a certain point, I think mile 77, rest stop, 
was the turning point on that ride. Yeah, do I yeah. stop? Point of no return. Exactly. <laughs> well, I could have stopped after that, but I, you know, do I stop or do I just go all in? And so, a hundred miles in about. We average twenty-four miles an hour, so about four hours twenty is what I remember. Whatever that turns out to be. And you ran out of water at uh, milepost uh, mile ninety. 90. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the last dry ten miles. Yeah. And so I guess I just fell in love with it all somewhere along the way. Blood, Sweat and Gears was another big monument for me. 102 miles in the mountains. And the last two matter. It's not a flat roll into the end. It's hilly all the way around. The, if anybody's ever done that and gone over the last bump at the end, they call called the Crucis before you get back to the school in Valley Crucis. You'll know what I'm talking about. Seven or eight percent and it's probably only half a mile of hill, but you'll feel that. Yeah, I bet. Um, I can't imagine actually doing that ride myself, but um, okay, all right. Um, well, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, pace line riding. As a, as a road bike rider, you're intimately familiar with that subject. It's not trivial. You, know, you need to be how close is too close? How comfortable are you around other riders? How do you get to be more comfortable around other riders? You know, When do you feel safe taking your hand off the bars to reach down and and pick up your bottle to drink when's it safe to do so how do you know how to scan the road ahead looking for obstacles other people may not have seen how do you call out those obstacles uh, the difference between a single pace line and a double pace line in a rotating pace line how you fall backwards through the pack how you fall backwards in a double pace line you know how to peel off um, it's there's a lot to pace line riding to be safe, and I think that's. I mean, I, when I was referring to being yelled at early on in the rides, it's because of the safety aspect of it. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, you're putting other people's uh, health at jeopardy potentially. So you've got to know what is safe and how to ride safely, and uh, you know, more vocal members of, of group rides will let you know when you are doing something unsafe. Um, I guess you could learn other ways. You know, you can read about it. I certainly did. Um, Road Bike Rider, for instance, the uh, site I write for occasionally do product reviews for, they have some great tips on there that I went through and read. And when I say how broad cycling is, I absolutely, road cycling, I'm still learning uh, these little finesse tips and minutiae of it. But uh, just for getting started, what makes a how do you be successful on the road? Roadback Rider, amongst other sites, has some good information about that, freely available. Um, so those kind of things. Uh, pace line riding being just one of them. So the uh, club you belong to, the Triangle Velo Club, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. mostly race- racers? Um... Uh, it's people who could race. We don't necessarily, There's not many race uh, people, people who race on the team, although they are there. And some very fast ones, very fast ones too. Um, uh, our motto is peddling for health, though. The overall goal, we're a 5013C registered charity, so our overall goal is to tr- try and provide uh, fundraising mechanisms to give back to worthy organisations to try and encourage uh, health, particularly through cycling. Uh, we've also donated to the backpack programs to send children home with food on weekends because they've been fed in school and on weekends they may not necessarily have the same amount of nutrition so we donate to those kind of 
things. We've donated to the School of Creative Studies in Durham for their cycling program up there and also to teams like Carolina Brewing Company to support their MS fundraising efforts. So that's the overall mission of the team. Uh, but it's with a, a sort of ethos around cycling in general. Okay, okay. So um, how did you get started uh, writing the product reviews? How did that all come to pass? Yeah, I'd been writing road, reading Road Bike Rider. Uh, Ed Pavelka used to run the site. Well, Ed sold it, and uh, he sold it to somebody called John Marsh, uh, John took it over, and one of his first emails, newsletters, asked for product reviewers. And I figured, what the hey, I'll give it a go. So I submitted my name into the hat, and uh, John said, go find something to review. In fact, he sent me through a pair of sunglasses to review. And I don't know if you've ever tried to write about sunglasses <laughs> to try and make them interesting and differentiate yourself. Um it's not the easiest thing in the world. It, it's, you know, one pair of sunglasses may be a little bit different from another, but... Yeah, yeah, right, right. Not markedly so. Um, <laughs> so I, was, I reviewed the pair of sunglasses and then I started reviewing other things. And now it's probably been, gosh, three or four years now. Um, and I uh, write about six or seven reviews Per year for the site, something like that. Okay. Now, was your attendance at this uh, Interbike uh, convention, was that part of this uh, gig here? It was. was it? it was. So it was personally funded. You know, this is the thing that just keeps me in some little bit of bike gear, right? It's, uh, it, and it gives me a chance to go play with bike products. Um, but I funded my, my journey across there myself uh, to attend as part of Road Bike Rider. And I felt like a complete fraud, I have to say. I mean, I'm sitting in the media tent out the outdoor demo <laughs> with, like, the real cycling journalists behind me, right? People like James Wang, if people are familiar with him, writes for Bike Radar and I think he's going across the cycling tips. He's, like, one behind me. And then the guy who organizes the show, the uh, press director, was there, and he was chatting with me, and, you know, how do you get involved with this, and what's your background? And I'm like, I'm just a like an IT project manager who happens to be here on a little bit of a whim. This is, <laughs> but they treat you seriously out there. So this is my first ever Interbike. And it's interesting, when you go up to these booths, you're wearing a lanyard around your neck, and on your lanyard, it says what affiliation you have. So my said working media underneath. And I finally understood how women feel when guys just check out the chest all the time because <laughs> the first thing they do on the booths is look down and to see whether you're somebody they should pay attention to. And they see working media on there. It's, oh, how are you today? Come in, let's have a conversation while I tell you about my product. So it was fascinating. I mean, what a just a hoot. So for three days, I, I pretended to be a proper journalist out there, and I had a write-up features on Road Bike Rider for a couple of weeks, responding to some of the things I'd seen at the show. Uh, but it was it was just just great fun. The outdoor demo as well out in Boulder City. It was it was just a hoot. So, are there some new products that we should be aware of that uh, coming down the line here that uh, are going to improve our lives as cyclists? Uh, well, I've got one big review I'm writing up at the moment. One of my goals this year when I went out there was to look at one of the things I've been most impressed about, and I think is one of the biggest safety changes in cycling in recent years, is lighting, LED lighting. 
I think has transformed what we think about as as lighting on bicycles. Cat Eye have this Volt 1200 light. It's a big light, it gets hot, but it throws out this massive amount of light on high. It'll run for an hour and a half and lights up the entire road. It could be used for off-road riding as well. Um, is that too much lumens? One of my buddies uh, actually says it's the kind of light that you can see into the future with. <laughs> That's a strong light. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so lighting, I think, has gotten really interesting. On the front is interesting. You know, I like daytime lights for, I don't know if you use them, George, for uh, daytime running? No, I don't. But so I on the road, I find they're, they're invaluable, the flashing light. It gets you noticed as much as a reflective jacket does and probably more. Um, but also the rear lights. I always run a rear light now. Uh, these new LED lights for the rear, you, typically USB rechargeable, price point from somewhere between... 30 to $50, at most $50. All these different patterns that they have that they'll flash at. Uh, run times typically in on a flash setting of about 14 hours, so you can safely run them all the time. Uh, warn indicators to let you know when they're starting to run down. I think these are great lights, really interesting lights now. So that, that is, is something in terms of safety that is... Uh, the big advance of the last 10 years in cycling that I've seen. Well, uh, let's see. September was a busy month for you. So after Interbike uh, Uh ended, right at the time it ended, was the time when the uh, big bike race in Richmond started, right? Right, the World Championships. Yeah. First time in the USA for several years, right? I think it was Salt Lake City last time, was it? Which was a long time ago. I think it was 25 years since it was here, I believe. I might be having my times wrong. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I, I didn't know Richmond terribly well, so I didn't know what the course was going to be like. Uh, we, we just went up for the women's race and the men's race. The uh, So there were all the time trials and the U23s previously, and we running all week long. And I believe Richmond paid $8 million to host, but the return in the, I mean, the city was full of people. So the return to the city must have been huge. And they did it fantastically well. They did such a good job of putting on the, the show, the um, the show, the, the race. Um, the hospitality was outstanding in the city. The uh, marshalling uh, was wonderful. Police presence was uh, appropriate. Um, and, and such a great race. So it's over like three days, and they have all age groups and men and women. So it was all right? week long. Uh, all week long. Okay. Yeah, because there's a time tri- individual time trial. I think there was a team time trial. There was a team time trial for both men and women. There's the U23s going through juniors, and you know the you could. I, I think there was a race even I could have participated in. You know something in the you know dodgy old man race or something it's called. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah, and and while you were there, I guess uh, at night uh, you got around and uh, you hoisted some suds with uh, some of the, the famous people in cycling here. Ac- accidentally, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm sure if if they, uh, there's no way they're going to be listening to this, but if they are, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> if we'd have gone home when we should have done it, it would have been fine. <laughs> but we got into the bar, uh, our last bar of the night, and uh, ended up bumping into George Hincapie and Bob Roll in the bar. Plus the New Zealand, uh, one of the New Zealand 
women's uh, races in there and uh, I ended up talking to her for a little while and uh, uh, hearing about her her race that day she just finished that race and uh, not got the results she wanted to but uh, here's some of cycling royalty right in front of us so we had our photos taken with them had George photo bombing us while we were standing there with Bob in our group together and it was a fun night yeah now, did George Hincapie participate, or was he just there? Uh, he was there, to, yeah. I think George's elite days are behind him, but uh, he has interests, obviously, in cycling still with his uh, clothing line, and uh, he's, you know, obviously still very well respected in the cycling world. And Bob Roll, was he a commentator there? Or did they broadcast the event? Or? Uh, I don't didn't hear him commentating, but he was there. I think he may have been on the stand. Uh he he was uh, involved. I'm not quite sure what he was doing. We weren't on our our necessarily most sober behavior at that point in time. So some of the details may be hazy at this point in time. But George was a uh, Bob was a hoot to hang out with. He's as uh, the the guy that you see on screen is very much the guy that I met that night, and even writ a little more large as well. A real character. Okay, okay. So um, I, I take it you you're, you're um, uh, you have I know you have two sons and and one of your sons is riding with you now is that right is no. He, he, uh, no, no 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 oh, I think okay. the fact I'm so passionate about it is almost the anti passion for them um, no so my youngest is a soccer player uh, at quite a high level but uh, the idea of swinging his leg over a bicycle uh, top tube is more just so you can get someplace. You never know if they'll, whatever they want to go and do, right? Um, and I don't know if I would have been interested if my dad had been interested in it back in the day either. Right, right. Paul, uh, tell us about uh, your experience at Bike Fest this year. That would be the Tar Wheels annual ride in Hillsboro. And Bike Fest is always a lot of fun. So we rode up there from Chapel Hill, only did the 62-mile ride. Um, but we went around that in good speed. We averaged probably 23 miles an hour. A lot of my team were on there, and uh, we were. There was a strong group of us. There was maybe four or five of us that just pulled everybody else around that day. Uh, so and if I say the name, a lot of your uh, Tarwheel members will know the name Peter Leosis. Okay. So Peter is. He had a hip replacement in December of 2014. Uh, spent three months off the bike recovering. He's 60. Peter's probably turned 62 now or 63. I forget which. Could drop me off his back wheel anytime he liked. Incredibly strong. Peter rides 15, 16,000 miles a year. Um, and just, you know, if and when I ever grow up, I'd like to be like Peter. Um <laughs> So Peter was there and a few others of our team, and uh, we just set the pace for the 62-mile ride, and it was just so much fun going through. We'd see one guy, one guy would come through and try and do a turn, decide it wasn't worth it, and then duck back behind into the pace line and would stay there. And so, effectively, we won Bike Fest this year. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, that ride starts early, as I recall. It's the yeah, you've first, marshaled that before, first right? group. Yeah, yeah starts yeah. at yeah. 7.30, and uh, I think the second group starts at 8 or something like that. So you were there. You, your group was there by 8 o'clock from... Yeah, we left in the dark uh, uh, from okay. Chapel Hill. Yeah, and rode up. And you, you grouped up with the group that uh, started off together? and Yeah, well, you were the group that started oh, in the front. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. we led all the way around. Yeah. Okay. So we decided not to do the 100 because uh, we were going to uh, we'd ride back to Chapel Hill afterwards. Right. right. So we had about 100 miles that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. We, we were parking cars. At the right. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the uh, Bike Fest is quite a nice event. I, it's I, a great I, event. Uh, I think it's worth plugging for the Tar Wheels. I think the like Tar Wheels do the... such a good job with that event. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the best local ride. I mean, the, the, the all of the, the food there, the rest stops is just wonderful. They have the bakers that uh, participate. Yeah, we don't see and... too many of those rest stops. <laughs> Your group doesn't. No, my group does, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. The faster you get, the, the less baked goods you have. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, <laughs> definitely a disadvantage. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, nobody explains to you as you get faster that there's less and less ice cream and baked goods. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 social riding is just not quite uh, up to what it is for us lesser riders. I think uh, the uh, well, the social thing is kept within the group and the pace line as you keep on rolling. Right, right. It's all the yelling that goes back and forth. And, well, uh, not, if you're riding well, you don't yell at each other. But, uh, <laughs> That's funny. You'll ride by, you know, some people, and in a double pace line, you'll ride with somebody for mile after mile, right? So you can, that's when you learn a lot about somebody, you know. And yeah, that's one of the things I love about cycling. You never know who's going to be on that ride with you, right? Right. And there's no reason otherwise for me to know these people. And it's just this community on the road as you're rolling along. And I love that about it. Yeah, I agree. That's um, one of the best aspects of uh, cycling, um, uh, definitely. You did do some riding in um, back in England. Um, you lined up a bike with one of your friends there. I did, and, uh, one time. And, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, when you were back for a family visit. and uh, Right. So you actually got in some riding at that occasion, right? I did. That was 2007, um, August. Um, weather was probably around 50 degrees at the start, something like that, you know. In Yorkshire? In Well, Yorkshire and Lancashire, yeah, and mm-hmm. Derbyshire. Um, yeah, so the course that I went on, it was 60 or 70 miles, but hilly. I don't know if you know anything about that part of the world. No. There's nothing much flat around there. Um, and if you're, it's flat, it's because you're on the top of a hill, usually about to drop off into something that's not flat. And there may be a good stiff breeze blowing as well at the top. Um, Winnett's Pass stuck out in my mind on that ride. Winnett's Pass is just one mile long. It's a climb. It's interestingly because of the... So this is, if you imagine this hilly countryside, built roads were built that were effectively uh, ways of getting narrow roads... Only so wide to allow... Built by the Romans, maybe? <laughs> Some of them are. <laughs> yeah. Some of them literally are. <laughs> uh, and so it was ways to, to move out of a valley. And so... Uh, but they were built for horse and cart, usually. Or for horses to go over. Right. Well, the cars then follow where the 
paths have already been laid. And so the roads are often narrow and not built to the same uh, width, typically, as an American road. Well, this one road, Winnett's Pass, uh, climbs up from the valley floor for just one mile to get onto the top there. But it, I don't know what the average is, but at one point it hits 20% grade. And because you've got cars coming past you, you can't weave at all. You've got to keep the bike just upright. And I was doing two miles an hour at one point in time when I looked down. And I was still tapping down to find that lower gear that still wasn't there. <laughs> refused to be there for a mile. And I think the grade is probably, look it up, but it's probably something like 14% average. It's only one mile long, but the ride, they, they never lets up on you uh, all through that. So that was maybe one of the toughest things I did all day long. Now, do they typically have bike lanes in those roads? No. Okay. No. Do many people ride bikes on those roads? Yeah, it's quite well known, actually. Yeah, there was uh, some when we stopped at the bottom before we set off, uh, there were people waiting there to go ride up. And in fact, it's open moorland, and the grazing rights means that you still have sheep there. So you've got like sheep looking down at you from the rocks above, <laughs> or maybe even walking on the road in front of you as you're riding up the things while your cars are passing. It wasn't a necessarily a fun ride, but it just stick out in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So was it much trouble logistically? Did you have a friend there who you uh who I did. arranged a bike for you? I okay. did. He had a spare bike. Uh, I yeah. See. Okay. Yeah. So for someone else uh was traveling in the UK would uh would contact a bike club, local bike club maybe? Uh, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, go go find a bike club or um just, you know, there's lots of places you can show rent a bike from and then you go ask the bike the guys where you're renting the bikes from what their local rides are, and usually hook up with something there. Yeah. I'm actually considering, in terms of bike travel, uh, I just heard about it today, Tour of Wyoming in July is a, I think, a five-day tour. It's only $300, and they provide breakfast and dinner fully supported. And to go through Wyoming twice over the Bighorn Mountains. Wow. So if anybody's interested in that, I think registration is now open that okay thanks paul for being with us today for our listeners if you have comments questions or suggestions email us at info at tarwheels.org also at tarwheels.org our website you can find our ride calendar and you can join the club happy trails